0: So this is love mm-hmm. So this is love So this is what makes
1: life divine Now I'm the king of the swingers, whoa the jungle VIP
0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox.
2: And I'm Kyle Skinner.
0: And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at mouse madness pod. Send us an email at mouse madness podcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's gang at patreon.com slash mouse madness. Um, Kyle is Valentine's day a made up holiday.
2: Oh, hidden the hard questions right off the bat. Yes, it's a, it's a made up holiday. This is a hallmark. holiday. Are, Are
0: you anti Valentine's day? Not
2: anti. Okay. I'm just not subscribed to the importance of it. You know, it's good to have a day to celebrate love, but I don't know that it has to be the only day. It's just Valentine's Day. So it's definitely a made-up holiday, but we're going to celebrate it here on the podcast. We're going to be talking the best Disney love story bracket, and this is all about the duos in disney animated films and disney animated catalog and we're going to really dive in about their stories and determine which one we see as the best. And to help us do this, Chris, we have a first time guest host oh, for baby. the first time in a very long time. A
0: baptism, mouse madness <laughs> baptism.
2: It is a dear friend of mine. It is Nicola, Nicola, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi guys, thanks for having me.
2: Yeah, thanks for joining us. So, we know each other because we work together at the A's. So, there's the sports aspect to your fandom as well as your profession, your professional cheerleader, um, and your huge Disney fan, including a magic key holder. So, can you tell us a little bit about your Disney fandom and how it started? What, you know, where on the spectrum are you as far as Disney fandom goes? Are you a passive observer or are you a f- full-blown Disney adult?
1: Well, I'll have to start with I was a Disney fan before I was even born. So there was a Mickey Mouse stuffed animal in my crib before I even blessed this earth with my (laughs) Disney fandom. (laughs) And we would go to Disneyland every year. So I'm going to say I'm a crazy Disney adult these days. I didn't realize how much I love Disney until like it became so known on TikTok and social media, like Ooh, these Disney yeah. adults. Um, I just thought I loved Disney a lot, but I realize I'm on the spectrum of crazy fan. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wild. Love it. Always here. I have Mickey Mouse ears on today because I already missed going and I went in December. So here we are. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I miss it too, and I just got back not too long ago. Uh, I'm sure Christmas is it because Chris missed the trip altogether, unfortunately. Omi the not the homie. Uh, <laughs> but Nicola, we're glad to have you on the podcast. It's really great. We'll dive further into your Magic Key experience maybe next episode. But Chris, let's get into it. Uh, no bracket can start without a strong spoonful of sugar. We're sitting. In your kitchen, I've got Clifford the Big Red Dog looking over my right shoulder, and you've concocted a cocktail for part one of this bracket.
0: Um, yeah, we're back in person, so we're doing um, combo drinks. This is a, it's not a creation by me, but it is a drink that I kind of added my own little twist to. Okay. <clears> okay. <throat> So, Encanto is a popular movie right now.
2: Kind of. Everybody loves... Heard
0: of it. Everybody loves... Uh, we don't talk about Bruno, yep. right? Yep. So, we're talking love stories. And Encanto is a movie that's really kind of like rooted in love, even though it's not really a movie about, about. the traditional sense of like love between two people. Yep. Um, but that's kind of where it began. That's the backstory to the movie. Um, we've got my favorite scene in the movie. One of my favorite scenes ever Dos oruguitas. a <laughs> flashback to abu- abu- Abuela's childhood with her former husband, and that scene touched me, so I decided to make a little inspiration, a little Dos Orguitas drink, um, so I wanted to make something with some, some little sour worms in it. I know they're... <laughs> <laughs> is a caterpillar which is not a worm <laughs> but i was like i'm gonna throw some sour worms in a cocktail and, and let's let's reverse engineer something um so i looked up colombian alcohol and apparently uh, the drink in colombia is called aguardiente okay which is um made from anise anus a nice it's an herb so look it up. it's not anus <laughs> look it up um but it's uh, 29% alcohol, so not super strong, um, yeah. and I, I'm really a big fan. Okay. Of it. It's kind of got a very natural flavor, which is something I always like in an alcohol. Um, not super strong. Apparently, the traditional way to drink it is neat or just shot Yep, to be drinking um, on any occasion in Colombia. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is the go-to alcohol of choice. So uh, put it in a shaker with some simple syrup, lemon juice. Egg white for a little froth on top. Mm. Mixed in some ice, shook it up, poured it into a little small glass um, and dropped a couple of sour worms inside of it. Um, and we've got the doso de guitas. That, yeah. that is our cocktail today. Um, egg whites are tricky to work with, Kyle. I um, dropped my whole drink in the sink. Uh, well, well I like gave you yours and then I just, the slippery egg whites were on the glass and I had to make myself another one. Um <sighs> Yeah, my, my cocktail skills need work. It's okay. But it, I love this. This is a great drink. I don't know if you've tried it yet. I haven't tried it yet.
2: I was going to do it on the pod here, and I, I'm excited. I want to know what the role of the sour worms is in the drink. I, maybe, it's
0: technically an Aguardiente Sour is like the actual drink.
2: Yeah, that's tasty. That's real nice. Yeah. Smooth.
0: Surprisingly smooth, <laughs> and it's got that little sour that I like in there. And um, I'm I'm almost, I'm looking forward to being done with this, so I can so I can munch on a couple of little <laughs> yeah, oruguitas yeah. at the bottom of my glass. <laughs> um, they might be a little cold, but we'll see. Um, so there you have it, folks. Highly recommend head down to your local Bevmo or Total Wine and grab some Aguardiente and do it the Colombian way. Hey, this I is what like Luisa that. be drinking.
2: Yeah, this is she, she right be here drinking
0: Aguardiente by the bottle for collecting with
2: that those body donkeys. mass. Oh yeah, absolutely,
0: Nicola. What do you got today?
1: Well, it's a weekday, so that means it's wine time for me. So I love red wine, so I picked up some J-Lore, so I'm sticking with my uh, cab. And no one can see it, probably because this is audio, but you guys can see it. It does have a Mickey Mouse
2: Ah, wine
1: glass. Um, I stole it from my sister. Actually, she left it at my parents' house, so I am now using it for my drink today.
2: So good! I love a themed glass. If you ever been to my house, I only owned themed drinking vessels. Yeah. Most of them are coffee mugs.
1: Mm, yeah, you could
0: stand to 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 lose probably a few of those. And not if you're lie. part of
2: our uh, either Jerry's gang, <laughs> if you've been a co-host, if you've interacted with, me with uh, interacted with me at all, I've probably pawned off some mugs your way. Uh, shout out Marissa, who I've sent multiple mugs <laughs> to uh, because I've had to clean out my my supply it's it's a little crazy but let's go ahead and and just dive right into it who is the demographic of folks that we interviewed or maybe or the interns interns got in there uh, to pick the 16 duos for the best disney love story bracket.
0: Yeah, we are talking love story between two people. Could be could be more people? Could be. Yeah, could be. Could um be. We so, didn't choose them. so this is two characters and not uh the movie itself. We should we should clarify that. Yes. Um, so love at the disney parks. Um, places to to find love at the disney parks. Matterhorn? <laughs> was a classic in, in my youth, back when they had the cuddle seats, you know?
2: Uh, okay.
0: Maybe, I, I mean, for, for how terrible of an attraction Autopia is, you know, it's always a great move to let that person that you care about drive you around.
2: <laughs> sure.
0: Hey, hon, do you want to drive me? <laughs> yeah. Um, but the ultimate, the ultimate spot for love in the Disney parks. Doom buggies.
2: Uh, Haunted Mansion, baby.
0: And Clamshells. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you got a little, a little dark attraction, a little, little two-person seating, a little little in, enclosed uh, sure. spot, sure. you never know what could go down. Okay.
2: Sounds like you know from experience. So the
0: interns, uh, the interns camped out the exit ramps.
2: and they, The interns creeped on every peeped, couple.
0: They peeped some cozy clam and some cozy doom buggy riders. Oh my gosh. And once they hopped off the attraction, they said, what is... The best Disney love story mm-hmm. besides your own, of course, yeah, and we've got sixteen couples in here that are, uh, to say the least quite lovely.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Of course, uh, love and love stories is a huge part of Disney, yes uh, it's part of the fabric that the company is built on, so we couldn't have every single couple make the brackets, so we've got a good uh, good number of Miss the Dance couples yeah. on here, yeah so so what's, what are a couple that uh? Missed the dance for you. A couple couples.
2: A couple couples. I really only one that I want to point out is Jessica and Roger Rabbit. I think that their love story is an interesting one. We don't know too much about the formation of it, which I think is why it didn't necessarily make it onto this bracket. But they are obviously a couple who would do whatever it takes for each other. Jessica Rabbit, I mean, got in trouble because she was trying to protect Roger in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Roger was going to do whatever it took to get Jessica back throughout that film. Uh, and even if he was mistaken as to what was actually going down, his dedication drove that in the entire plot of the movie. Uh, so you love to see the dedication. You love to see them protecting each other. It's kind of like um, it's the same thing that Will and Elizabeth did in Pirates where they didn't tell each other each other's plans. Mm. And instead of getting mad at each other, Roger and Jessica just went along with it and they mm. just let it happen. And that's why uh, they're a strong couple, arguably stronger than Will and Elizabeth. P- I don't know, right?
0: It's mm. a low bar. <laughs> the low the bar. Day.
2: So that's the biggest uh, Miss the Dance for me. If I was surveyed, I'd probably put them in my top, top five or so. Uh, what is... A few couples, a couple, two couples, that is the dance for you.
0: Oh, I mean, I would have loved to see some uh, non-traditional Disney couples out okay. here. Uh, it's to, to clarify kind of where we pulled from, um, no live action, we've got no Pixar. Right. So this is all Disney animation stuff. Um, but still, I would have loved, loved to see someone answer with Anna and Elsa. A great love story in its own right, yeah. though it's not uh, one in the way you traditionally might think about a love story. Um, or Raya and her father. Yeah. Um, some of those newer movies that are are kind of telling a love story in a little bit of a different way. One sure. that maybe involves family ties or friendship like Vanellope and Ralph. Um, love to see those. Um. Love to see them thinking outside the box a little bit more. I know we're not talking about Pixar but Luca and Alberto is another great that'd one that'd be of a course. good one
2: yep a great one to break I, down if they've leaned into it a little bit further Pixar but
0: sure Um, but like at the same time there's a lot that I'm really glad are not on this bracket like Snow White and
2: and Prince and
0: and Nameless Prince <laughs>
2: Oh oh! Reaction from Nicola on the Snow <laughs> you know we got no we got no slander. Pocahontas
0: and John Smith on oh, here. No. Thank God. <laughs> Uh-oh.
2: Uh-oh. <laughs> um, so, uh oh. oh.
0: So, Nicola, what are a couple of Miss the dance couples
2: for you? <laughs> Sounds like it might be some of those. Oh shoot!
1: I Chris, I don't think we're going to be going to Disneyland together. I think Kyla oh, no. and I are oh, for no. sure going together. Uh, I will agree with the Snow White and nameless prince. Um, I love Snow White, I think, because she's, like, the first princess. Like, it's just a classic. However, like, I think the storyline, he's not really involved besides the kiss. Um, I will say Pocahontas should have been on here with John Smith. I That Ooh. one was a Miss the Dance for me. I think although the storyline isn't accurate from the real story, it does, like, open up, like, an interracial kind of uh, love story for the first time back in its, like, early 90s so i like i appreciated it i learned a lot from it and thought it would definitely be on this um but if we're going to pixar uh carl and ellie if we were allowed to have pixar up i cried the first two minutes of that movie so
2: yeah Yeah. that would be an unfair matchup i think (laughs) (laughs) um you know, Bone Daddy's not on here either. Bone Daddy. Jack
0: Skellington and uh, Sally. No, they're yeah. a very popular, especially around Halloween time.
2: I know. I think, it, yeah, it feels a little they're, bit they're like a one-way street of, in that one.
0: There's a lot of dudes that, like, self-identify as Bone Daddy, especially in the Disney parks, you know? Sure.
2: They're
0: like, oh, I'm a tortured genius, just like <laughs> Jack. Just call me Bone Daddy, baby. <laughs> um. All right. Enough of that. We've got 16 couples we got to break down here, Um. And uh, and we can't wait. So let's go ahead and cue that dramatic music. Kyle, I'm gonna let you take us away.
2: The dynamic duo clocking in at the one seed is Mickey and Minnie. Tale
0: as old as time. Coming in at number two, it's
2: Belle and Beast. Sharing a spaghetti noodle at the three seed is Lady and Tramp. I love Lamp. Coming in at
0: number four, it's Rapunzel and Flynn from Tangled.
2: Lost in the woods at the five seed is Anna and Kristoff from Frozen and Frozen 2.
0: Shout out to my bibbidi bobbidi boo Coming in at number six, it's Cinderella and Prince Charming.
2: Feeling the love tonight at the seven seed is Nala and Simba. Defying biology with the eight seed is Ariel and Eric. Swinging from vines and into the nine seed is Tarzan and Jane.
0: It was Love at First Flight, coming in at number 10, Aladdin and Jasmine.
2: Flexing on the eleven seed is Meg and Hercules. Creeping into the 12th spot is Aurora and Prince Philip. Saving China at the 13th seed is Mulan and Li Shang.
0: Literally Puppy Love at number 14, it's Pongo and Perdita from 101 Dalmatians.
2: Sitting Royally at the 15th seed is Bambi and Faline? Pretty sure this is what Jimi Hendrix meant
0: when he wrote Foxy Lady, rounding out the bracket at number 16. From Robin Hood, it's Robin Hood and Maid Marian. Nicola, we got 16 couples on here. We got Do we got any power couples on here that you think could make a run at this thing?
1: Uh, Mickey and Minnie are probably gonna go pretty far. They're like classic. And it's like the true love story between the characters. But I'd be interested to see number 10 Aladdin and Jasmine go pretty far. I think that magic carpet ride is just beyond amazing for a date. So
0: Breaking the speed of sound <laughs> <laughs> theoretically being converted into gelatin
2: defying physics <laughs> left and right.
0: Uh can't wait. So so let's start off with uh number 1 versus number 16. Kyle, you want it or you want me to take it? I could
2: take it. All right, go for it. So Mickey and Minnie. I don't know that we've ever had either of them on a bracket in which we've had to like break them down cuz everything else has been very like movie centric. I'm yeah, surprised other
0: than like our character autographs, but like yeah. actually like breaking them down as a character, Characters. the only time we've really touched on them is in our Mickey 12 Days of Christmas review. <laughs>
2: well, that's right. Yeah, so Mickey and Minnie, I'm surprised that they snuck into this animation bracket because they're not necessarily known for their feature films they're just kind of the entities of the company but they do have feature films including all of the like christmas specials which are technically feature length so we all know them we all love them first time we see them together on screen is 1928 plane crazy uh mickey learns how to fly a plane and it's about 11 minutes of chaos with him and Minnie but what we know them most notably for is Steamboat Willie. Right. And in Steamboat Willie uh, Mickey who is playing Steamboat Willie is causing chaos on the ship that is captained by Peg Leg Pete who goes back even before Mickey, way before Mickey, into the Alice comedies of the early 20s and Minnie, for whatever reason, wants in on this riverboat cruise, and she's running alongside the boat, asking Mickey to to pick her up, and Mickey swings <laughs> the like the hook arm of the boat over to shore and picks her up by her underwear and drops her into the boat. Atomic wedgie. And then they start playing uh, Turkey and the Straw together, uh, and they, they jam out. Uh, I'm sure that Disney doesn't want to recognize that that's the song that they play right. <laughs> these right. days, but uh, there it is. Then, subsequently, they're in everything that we see them ever. Uh, their relationship is really sweet. They are constantly wanting to do things for each other. A lot of the premises of their shorts, of their bits in the full-length like movies are them not communicating on a gift or them not communicating on a party Mm -hmm. and they always have each other's best interest at heart uh mickey trying to take minnie on a date but Minnie actually trying to surprise him with a date it's all of these kind of miscommunications but it always in the end just kind of shows the love that they have for each other yeah and you're gonna hate it but in the newer mickey shorts there's a lot more depth into each of their characters and you're gonna to you the depth might be chaos, but I think it's more just like reality-based human traits where we're not always perfect and things don't always get wrapped up. Um, but I highly encourage people to check out those shorts. I think they have them almost all on YouTube. They definitely have them all on Disney Plus. Mm. Um very, very fun watch. But we know Mickey and Minnie, we know their love, they're very uh, dedicated to each other. Of course, they've been, you know, together for ninety something years. So they're they're a powerhouse. Robin Hood and Maid Marian. We don't talk a whole lot about Robin Hood in general on this show. So I went back to watch. And let me tell you, talk about a comfort movie. Maybe throw that thing on on a Saturday morning. Have a little coffee. That's the best way to start your day. That's exactly what I did with this thing. It is such a nice watch. But you forget about how this couple and their love plays such a minor part to the story but also drives the story quite far. I would say it's the opposite. I would say like this movie is about
0: them as a couple. Sure. Like, that's kind of the plot.
2: Kind, I mean kind of. I, they, Disney at this time had a hard time writing their stories in a way that made sense as far as like a plot line goes because they wanted to fit in so many different gags and like knobs and Broomsticks is the greatest example of that. Right. Where, like, they just need to continue to do, fit in all these gags where they can. And I think that Robin Hood suffers from that a little bit mm. because you kind of okay. lose the love story in the storyline of, like, who Robin Hood is and, and him trying to steal from Prince John and all of that stuff. But wrapped up in there is the story about how... Robin and Maid Marian have known each other from like what we can assume is like teenager life. And then Maid Marian goes off to London, she says, and, and they have this kind of Grease moment where they, they have one last night together and, <laughs> and he carves their names and their initials into a tree and, you know, uh, I'll never forget you sort of moment.
0: Nottingham Nights. Nottingham <laughs> Nights. <laughs>
2: what is there forest? Sherwood Sherwood yeah. Sherwood Forest had me a blast I shot an arrow it went so fast <laughs> wow look at this um and so they reconnect and Robin happens I mean I didn't really understand whether or not Robin knew that Maid Marion was also in the hood at the time like she was just living there, yeah, and it almost was like he came into her town, but he also like lived in that f- and operated out of that forest, which didn't seem too far away from like Prince John's like little castle area.
0: Yeah, well, like they, you know, they don't have the gram back to they don't you know have the like Graham. so, so she's not
2: following me, Marion,
0: and you know, photo <laughs> dump from London. <laughs> like I'm back, <laughs>
2: can't drop pins. So uh, they reconnect because uh, the the town, the Prince John's putting on a archery contest and the winner gets to kiss me Marion. <laughs> okay. So Robin's like, Oh, what a great way to like reintroduce myself. Yeah. So he disguises himself as a stork. He wins the, the contest, but shenanigans ensues and his identity is compromised. And then it gets into this, like, you know, They run off together. They have a very similar "Can you feel the love tonight?" moment. Yep, including going under a waterfall, (laughs) skipping over rocks. It's like it's almost like shot for shot. Yeah, um, can you feel the love tonight? Which I really like, and I hope that's what the intent of "Can you feel the love tonight?" was, uh, like paying homage to this other love scene.
0: There's at least one other one also on this bracket. The, the, I mean, they're falling in love montage. Is, I mean, that's just a that's, staple.
2: Of course. Of course. Um, and then they get split up because everybody goes to jail and then uh, they all get broken out of jail and they get married and they go off together. So yeah. it's a, it's a sweet kind of like you go off to call it, you go off to your separate ways, you yeah. go to college uh, and then you reconnect in your new professions. And one of, one of you is a very, you know, Successful life professional, and the other one is just kind of scrapping things together. And the opposite to track, it's all another theme of this yeah. entire bracket is these opposites attracting. And Robin Hood and Maid Marian really do a good job of that. As far as love stories goes, the stronger love story is Robin Hood and Maid Marian. Wow. Because Mickey and Minnie's love story is never actually established. I mean, and listen. I didn't have time to watch every single short, well, every yeah. single film on Mickey and Minnie, but I think generally like we can't establish the moment in which they went ahead and, and declared themselves a couple other than like these early 1920s shorts where they already were established as a couple. We just know them as a couple. And so what is their story? I don't yeah. know that they necessarily have one. So when it comes to just like Disney love stories from start to finish, how the relationship was formed, how it went on, how it came to be as strong as it is in the end, you get a better love story out of Robin Hood and Maid Marian.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I think, I think the story is kind of like the operating word here. Yeah, the the Because I like what you said about Mickey and Minnie, how like it really kind of, all of the stuff they're in depicts their everyday life. And mm-hmm. if you're asking me, like, what is love? Love is the everyday life, you know. It's like it's getting into uh, argument about someone accidentally pushing a button on the car when you're trying to drive, and you know you might have almost caused an accident. I don't know. Definitely (laughs) hasn't happened to me before. Not not even one time. (laughs) Um, And I mean that happens in plain crazy, right? Like she grabs his head, and he like the steering wheel falls off, and Mickey doesn't get mad at her. He like gives her a hug after he fixes it. But then he wants a kiss and then she doesn't want to. And then he was like, I, right. and then he does like flips and throws her out of the airplane, <laughs> okay. which is not great. He is
2: a, a punk bit of a punk. We,
0: we do not condone that behavior. Um, that short is not on Disney plus. Um, but so like, if it was like best depiction of love in Disney. Yeah. I like that continuous love story that Mickey and Minnie have it's never finished. And a lot of these ones, like there's a beginning, a middle and end. And so a lot of us who have love stories in our lives, they are unfinished. They're, They're always being written and every day is a new chapter. But at the same time, I think when we think about our love stories, there kind of is a beginning and a middle and an end, you know, like there's always that, oh, how did you meet? Right. You know, and then, and then like, what was the next step? How did you get to that there? And how did you get to there? And how did you get to there? And like, even though it is incomplete, it still kind of does feel like there's some plot trajectory. Yeah. In the relationships that I have in my life. Yeah. Uh, So like, I really don't want to like send the number one seed home immediately but I kind of understand where you're coming from. And like you said, we never see them get together. And like the beginning is a very important part of a love story. Yeah. And seeing like what, what they connect on. And and, cause a lot of times like that is the foundation for everything that comes after it. Right. Sure. Uh, Marion and Robin Hood connected over their youths. Right. Um, And the, the free, spiritedness of their youths and living in Sherwood forest and Nottingham as children. And they kind of carry that with them into the next phase of their relationship. They're like out partying with the, with the other members of the resistance force or whatever you want to call them in Nottingham. Right. It's (laughs) like, we're here to like, just kind of enjoy life. Like Marion is this Royal. She has these responsibilities, but you can tell she kind of doesn't really care so much. She likes hanging out with kids and she wants to chill with Robin hood. So there's a there's a strong foundation I think that their relationship is built on that we don't really see in in Mickey and Minnie. So I think I'm going to agree with you. Ooh. I think down goes the number one scene just like that. <laughs> and Nicola's shaking her head. What do you what do what are your thoughts here?
1: You can't have a love story in Disney without the start of Mickey and Minnie. Like if there was no Mickey and Minnie love story or that concept, we would not have these other developed characters. And I do. Chris, to your point, I love that the story for Making and Mini is like humanized. Like yeah. if, if any of the shorts, like they're small bits of like real relationships and right. it's, it's 90 years now going and it's like they're going to have their 90th wedding anniversary and they're probably going to have like a renewal of vows and it's just going to be a fiasco. Disney, take my idea, please. I would love to see this short. <laughs> So I'm going to disagree with you, knocking out my Mickey and Minnie. I am biased. I have my Steamboat Willie Sherpa jersey on. Oh, wow. But I, I'm i just going to disagree. I think Mickey and Minnie need to go through. And uh, I don't. I just don't see Robin Hood as a love story. I never have. It was just always <sighs> yeah. just a movie that was on the back burner. I think I've seen it once. Sorry, <laughs> Robin Hood.
0: Wow. It's all right. It's all right. I mean, I get that. Mickey and Minnie to me profile, like you said, a couple have been married ninety years. It's like no one even knows anymore yeah. how they got together. It's like, do they even remember? <laughs> Probably not. Mickey's
2: <laughs> like, been locked you, up even, in Toontown. Even, for if, the they, last 90 even years.
0: if they do say, like they might have just made it up. Yeah. They, they've had 90, 90 years to concoct some scheme to tell the public exactly how they met. Um I well, down they go. <laughs>
2: Strong Robin Hood and Maid Marian She may never come back. After yeah. This.
0: All right. Um. Next matchup. Uh, interesting matchup. Number eight, Ariel and Eric from Little Mermaid versus number nine, uh, Tarzan and Jane. Mm. The Little Mermaid. This this um, love that Ariel has for Eric is such an important part of the plot to to the Little Mermaid. Like that's really it's the motivator. That's the inciting incident. It, yeah. Like clearly like. Her heart, I think, was positioned already for this. Um, she was collecting all of these things from the human world. She has this big cave, like whatever. Um, but then she, she saw Eric and was like,
2: that "Take now. me, yeah.
0: I want, I want to go to him. I want him. That's all I want." She found a statue
2: of him, of
0: him, and and kept it, <laughs> which is something I've never done before.
2: <laughs> Can't say I've never done uh, that.
0: I've never. <laughs> I'm having some issues with like the, the resolution of this movie, which is one I have with a couple of movies on this bracket. That idea that Ariel is willing to like give up um, something that's really a major part of her personality that like she, she has this beautiful voice
2: or can speak in general
0: or she can you know, <laughs> like that seems like something you should not give up for anybody. Right. So I don't really like that um
2: it's almost like a symbol of foregoing your perspective, your opinion, your anything by giving up your voice for man.
0: I could see on the other hand being like she loves him so much that she's willing to sacrifice anything for him. Yeah. Which like that is a really important part of a love story as well, like that idea that um you know, I'm so different from when we met. It's like, well, yeah, you should be different from when you met because, like, that's what being a companion with another person is. It is, it is having to surrender a lot of the things that you used to care about, so that you can care about new things together. Hmm. Um, so like, I can see how someone could say that is a romantic gesture that, uh, Ariel is willing to give up. Um, that, but I think like my natural instinct is like that's an important part of who you are. Sure. Uh, there are some things that like you. Could give up, but that's probably not one of those things. Although she never was like, I love singing so much.
2: No, she skipped her own recital.
0: Right. So like maybe it wasn't that important to her. And I think that's kind of where that uh, decision came from. Okay. In the end, she still gets Eric anyway. Right. So it's like there were no consequences for any of these actions whatsoever.
2: But then flip it. Eric was willing to ditch Ariel for Vanessa. So the love story is not a one way street. We're also looking at Eric, right?
0: Exactly. Eric is kind of a the trash boy. Yeah, we talked about him <laughs> in the best prince bracket. Um, he's just a little flute playing <laughs> f boy who just doesn't know what he wants, and like that is such a red flag.
1: Oh, when yeah. you're
0: starting a relationship, is like you need to be able to sit down and say, "Here's what I'm looking for." Right. And Eric does not know what he's looking for. If we're going to make this like a, yeah. um, compare this to like a real life love story, you sure. know, like that is such an important aspect of, of determining the success of a relationship. I'm just looking to date. I'm looking to marry someone. Right. There's going to be issues here. <laughs> and like, there, here, there we go. This is exactly what happened with Ariel and Eric. Like yeah. Ariel's like, I want to be taken away. I want to have true love. Uh, I want to put my whole self out there for someone. And Eric is like, I don't know. I just need to find a babe.
2: (laughs) Immediately.
0: Don't really know what she's going to look like or don't really care what she's going to look like. Doesn't matter. But that is a babe. So I'm going to talk to her. Hold up. There's another babe. Maybe I'll go with her now. Don't even know.
2: Right. I do like how inclusive Eric is. Ariel doesn't speak. He doesn't know the the background as to why she doesn't speak, but she he's still willing to have some sort of connection with her. There's no judgment there.
0: Yeah, he does. He does uh, give her a chance. I guess, sure, I think it's nice. more
2: in a objectifying way than it is maybe a uh, a human connection.
0: She got no pants on.
2: <laughs> she had no clothes on. She right? got no
0: clothes on. I feel like a lot of people would see someone that they're attracted to with no clothes on when they first meet them and be like,
2: <laughs> for our audio listeners, <laughs> Chris was licking from side to side. <laughs> What's up?
0: Tarzan and Jean. Ah, uh, another Nike boy. Here we go. Yeah. You get, you get a dude with a body like Tarzan.
2: Winner, winner chicken there. You're
0: you're uh, the hair.
2: <laughs> He's got it all.
0: Got the hair, got the butt. The dude is um, an athlete. He's doing crazy skateboarding on branches,
2: holding uh, vines between his butt cheeks.
0: I mean, this is like, this is a um, important part of like attraction. I did a whole like article when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Okay. I was doing, I was like curating content on the internet, and I went into this deep dive on like dancing. And attraction and like why people who are good dancers might be more attractive to you. And it like all of these articles had determined that like um when you move your body in a very uh coordinated way, yeah, it shows some like physical uh like um capability mm. and that maybe in the mating process you will be able to bear children or who you will be able to as, like survive longer because who, your body
2: is healthy. You're not a klutz, like you're not going to trip over a branch if you're being chased by a predator because this, you're yes. so coordinated. This
0: is all like in in the context of like, you know, cavemen. <laughs> you know, the, the, the theory is that like <laughs> the it's a subconscious is,
2: is Homo sapiens right. at their beginning. So
0: so the, the the idea is that it's a subconscious decision that you make. You'd be like, oh, that person's a good dancer, person would make a good mate in the wild. All right. Okay. So same thing with like sports. So Tarzan is an athlete. So Shane would be like, this dude's got some body coordination. He's skateboarding on branches. He's holding vines in his butt cheeks. He's got giant forearms. He's shredded. Like this guy is going to be fit. Yeah. And so that's real. It's realistic. I think. Sure. Um, I don't really know where the connection is. Hmm. Like the love connection. I think she is very intrigued by his sort of uh, non-traditional background.
2: My thought is their connection and their common ground is curiosity.
0: Yes. I was going to say, I admire that about Jane's brain. She's very intellectual and she's always kind of like, Looking for answers, she's curious.
2: Same with Tarzan, I right? Th- I mean, that's basically how they meet and start connecting. Is that Tarzan's checking everything out? He wants to understand how these things work. Um, I want to know. Can you show me? So <laughs> I want to know it's... about these
0: strangers like me.
2: <laughs> so I think like their common ground is like curiosity to understand that in which they don't know. Mm -hmm. That's what Jane's entire trip there is for. Tarzan understands that he doesn't belong in his place necessarily because he's being told that he doesn't. So he's trying to find his place, see somebody that looks like him. He's going to explore, be curious as to why he has this attraction. And I think that's that common ground.
0: I like that their um, union is beneficial to both of them. Uh, they both kind of satisfy this missing link, no, pun intended, um, <laughs> in each other's lives? Like Jane is is really kind of um, taken by his, like I said, uh, mysteriousness. Yeah. And I think no. she gets a benefit from that, mm-hmm. because she's not like him at all. And same, same with Tarzan. And yeah. I think like that's an important thing in a relationship. Like if you if you are with someone who is just like you, one of you is pointless because <laughs> <laughs> then you're just two of the same person. Sure. Um, I don't know that I, Tarzan is like a likable, likable man. Hmm. He's kind of brooding. Um, but I like them better than Ariel, and Eric, like hands down.
2: Okay. So you're going Tarzan Jane. Yes. Nicola is Tarzan a likable man.
1: If you're going between Prince Eric and Tarzan, I'm choosing Prince Eric. The <laughs> jazz flute boy. I if I was an animated princess and I needed to date one prince, it would be Prince Eric.
0: Okay. <laughs> he's your he's your hall pass. He's your he's your one, he's your he's number my, 1.
1: He's my hall pass. Oh my gosh. We'll get to another one later. But that one, yeah, there's It's
0: Simba. I know it's Simba already.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If you think, okay, I get where you're coming from, where he's kind of like fickle. But like, I would say any guy that a girl like comes to you, like, I would say like a guy usually isn't looking for the marriage relationship off the bat. I feel like a lot of females, maybe because I'm just in my 30s. A lot of females are looking for a longer term relationship. So Ariel had the right mindset of going into finding someone who she wanted to marry. And now when this movie was made, the age to get married was like in the mid-20s. So you could kind of see where her perspective is going. But like men at that, like around men could have just been fickle in general. And my bias, here we go with relationships with Nicola. I think that Eric, yes, is fickle but i don't think he knew what he was looking for until ariel showed up.
2: mhm i see that. Um, also ariel was 16 when she
1: yeah, you know, i was
0: going to i was going to like bring that up but also not bring that up that idea that like Dah.
2: i wouldn't have brought it up if nicola hadn't said the age thing cuz she was 16 years old daddy i love him It's like you're sixteen, Ariel. (laughs) Relax. I get it. I get it. And like part of it, also you bringing that up, Nicola, is like Eric having to realize what he truly wanted, and we roasted him for turning his head towards Vanessa as opposed to Ariel, and maybe that's part of the love story is that like it's one of those. Didn't know what you had till it was gone, and then it comes back. And and there, Ariel is. I think that's a very realistic portrayal of relationships in general. Oftentimes, there's plenty of folks who find these long lasting relationships out of coming back together ever after splitting paths. Who knows what made Marion and Robin Hood were doing out in the forest before they got reconnected? We don't know their their love interests past you each know. other. You are. In- <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, but it's, it's interesting because Tarzan and Jane's relationship without transposing it to anything else, like, oh, two people from completely different worlds. Like, no, this dude was raised by apes. It's not like a language barrier. It's like an it's act. It's, it's a thing. He was raised by apes. And for her And him to somehow connect out of that? I don't know. I see there's more of a realistic love story out of Ariel and Eric and how they meet. Put the mermaid stuff aside. Because they meet as humans. Right? (laughs) They meet as humans. He doesn't know she's a mermaid until the very end. Hadn't met the in-laws yet. Didn't know her backstory. I'm going with uh, Ariel and Eric, and that means Nicola's is going to choose who's moving on in this round.
1: Like I mentioned, I would date Prince Eric, and the love story just is one of my favorites. So I'm going to say Ariel and Eric. <laughs>
2: Chris is shaking his head but we're moving on to the next round. It's the number 4 Rapunzel and Flynn versus the number 13 Mulan and Li Shang. This is an interesting matchup. We have I hate this matchup. We have I like
0: Rap- both of these couples.
2: Rapunzel and Flynn who met attempting to achieve two different objectives and they end up over the course of the movie working together to achieve those objectives. But really it was the love that they found along the way.
0: <laughs> Classic.
2: Flynn is trying to find the crown. Rapunzel's trying to find outside. They're able to give each other that she's actually trying to find the lights. Yeah. Right?
0: They, they break it down and I've <laughs> got a dream.
2: Right. So, They're using each other to get what they want, but it's not in a malicious way. Like, they see each other as beneficial and they don't mind not going. Flynn's obviously attracted to Rapunzel. I don't know that Rapunzel's necessarily attracted to Flynn. She hasn't had an experience with other people in her entire life, right? So she can't necessarily judge whether or not she's attracted to him. But he... You know, he puts the smolder on her when he's captured and he and he figures is this, you know, he can win this pretty girl over by putting on the smolder because he's so attractive and it turned out. No, right. She hits him over the head with a frying pan. So as they go on their journey, they start connecting both as like a team, but as well as lovers. And then, you know, you have the um I see the light moment in which. You know, they see the light. They see the love. They see what they actually have together, and they're in the end able to come together as a couple and and you know find the love that had always been there. That begins Mulan and Li Sheng with. Well, this is such an interesting couple because you have Mulan who is on an, a very specific objective, which is to not get found out but along the way she's dropping very I think very subtle hints that she's probably into Li Sheng, who is her essential commander right and Li Sheng's showing an affinity to what was uh, Fa what was Mulan's like guy name Ping was it Ping yeah okay Ping he was showing like favoritism to Ping uh, throughout the entire her being Ping and not Mulan and I think that there was this affection growing between the two of them. I think that there was this entire debate when the new Mulan live action was coming out, how they were going to approach that. And I can't remember because, honestly, that's the least memorable part of the live action film. But I feel like there was some dabbling in like bisexuality between the two of them in the live action film where Lee was showing some interest in ping who I don't think that was Mulan's name in the live action film. I um, mean, similar to like what they want to do with this Gaston and in LeFou right. series. I don't know. Regardless where I'm talking about the animated film here anyways. And I, it, it wasn't necessarily shown, but there was some favoritism shown towards ping. From sure. Lee.
0: Yeah. He, he respected ping's drive. Yeah. He respected ping's, uh, ability to follow through. Mm -hmm. when he he was standing amongst a bunch of like rejects right guys yeah
2: yeah yeah yeah. there's a lot to love about ping as not only a soldier but like as a human those those qualities transfer over Mm -hmm. right and i think that's a lot of what lee was singing singing what lee was seeing so when it comes out that mulan is mulan it's now there's also that attraction factor and there's a um it's also returned from Milan right she's been kind of not necessarily flirty but showing that she thinks that he's attractive throughout the film and and but she's always on course to finish what she started yep so at the end it comes together like You know, we went on this journey together. We had this incredibly treacherous moment together. We survived it. You know, these traumatic experiences can often bring people closer together. And we see that a lot with these films. And with Mulan and Lee, that definitely happens. I think that in this matchup, though, I'm going to go with the Rapunzel and Flynn because that story feels a little bit more full. Uh, Mulan and Lee... The, their story is not necessarily at the forefront. They have many different objectives throughout it. Rapunzel and Flynn have their different objectives, but you can see them start weaving together. And I kind of like that love story more so than like the big reveal, like, oh, you're a girl. Now I can like you sort of moment.
0: I really like uh, Lee Li Shang as a depiction of masculinity. Okay. I also like him as a, a manager of people. <laughs> he is like a... <laughs> in charge, but he's not a micromanager. He gets mad at people for being stupid, but he really doesn't like get on them too hard. Like someone's not carrying their water buckets up the mountain. He just grabs it. And he's like, yeah, he's like, all right, I got it. You know, whatever. Um, And yeah, like what you said, he really admires those like intangible things about Mulan. It's her drive, her ingenuity, her relentlessness, and like, that is a really important thing to stop and think about, um, whether you're starting a love story or when you're in the middle of a love story, like, you know, beauty comes and goes, uh, people age, like that's just, that's just nature. And so, uh, to see Li Shang, um, go after Milan at the end of the movie, not because he saw a beautiful woman that he was attracted to in the end, but he really saw her for who she is. And he was like, I cannot let this person get away because this is the most unique person I've ever met in my entire life. And it's not just a, a desire to be with them. Like it is my duty as a human being to, to stay with this person. Whoa. Yeah, whoa. Um, that is a beautiful, that is a beautiful story. Lee Shang, Lee Shang is a attractive man. Yep. Also, uh, dude's ripped. <laughs> Another athlete. Appreciate that about him. Um, but again, it's like, it's not that kind of like brooding masculinity that is very like, uh, got something to prove at all times. Um, so I like that. It's kind of like, it's almost like uh, commitment is the most important thing in this relationship. Mulan has demonstrated a commitment to her family a commitment to her objective. Lee shang has uh, demonstrated a commitment to his troops. No matter what shape they're in, we're going to march these dudes all the way yep. to defeat the Huns. Um, and that is just a recipe for a very successful relationship. Yeah. I w- like, I was, um, having some drinks with a couple of like acquaintances, um, single people, and they were like, what is, like, in a, what is a, a trait to look for in a man? Ooh. And I was like, um, whether it's anyone, like anyone looking for a partner of any kind, look for someone who has committed to something for a long time. It doesn't matter what it is. Like someone who's had an activity they've done for a really long time or a friend group that they've had for a really long time. You know, like people, people can't be flip-flopping all over the place. And like Mulan and Li Shang both demonstrate that attribute. I, I just love that. Um, It's a great relationship, you know, but like, I love Rapunzel and Flynn as well. Like you said that the movie is their love story and they kind of represent that idea that love can come at you when you don't always expect it or you're not always looking for it. And um, like you said, they both have their own thing going on. And, and that also is like a recipe for a successful relationship that you're not really dependent on each other for, for yeah, your happiness at all times. Um obviously you are a top priority for each other but like I'm trying to find some lanterns, I'm trying right. to find some crowns. Um we just really enjoy each other's company along the way. I got a question. Um they roll up to the Snuggly D. <laughs> Do you think like what was what was going through Eugene's head when he was like I'm going to take this girl to the Snuggly D? Was he trying to like scare her? Into...
2: Into not going on the journey with him.
0: And she was like, I'm just going to cough up the crown now.
2: Right. To just abandon... Yeah, to give up the crown so that she can go on her way. He can go on his way to go get rich or whatever. And instead, she embraced her environment, which I think helped solidify Mm. that she's more than just... You know this person with a a crown that you're trying to get. It's like, oh, she's actually like down to go adventuring. And then they she's have DTGA, the D T G A man. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, and like I love that scene for Rapunzel specifically. That like she's willing to adapt to whatever environment she's in. She's really fearless, and like these are great ways to present. Uh, well done. Disney characters, Disney princesses in particular. Ah, man, I really, really appreciate the outcomes and some of the underlying, like, morals and, like, love themes present in Li Shang, and Mulan's relationship. But all of the different, like, love plot points and, like, little love conversations and you see the budding romance... Um, throughout the whole movie, because all the cards are on the table for both of these characters, I think I'm gonna have to agree with you on Rapunzel and Flynn. I think I would have had Li Shang and Mulan over anyone we've talked about previously on this bracket, like hands down. Um, but I'm gonna have to give it to Tangled. I'm sorry, uh, Nicola, you're not breaking the tie here, but do you agree with this decision?
1: I agree. But I will add that this is the bracket that I was not looking forward to because the love story actually for both of these guys starts with a friendship before they turn into like a love story. And I think like every great love story starts there. So having that friendship foundation kind of leads the story through I would, I would, this one was like the 50-50 for me. Um, you guys make both valid points. Um, I will agree and say Rapunzel. I think maybe more because there's other storylines within there that help, like Eugene's helping her achieve her goals. And I think as a supportive partner, that's what you want to do. Um, not that uh, Li Shang didn't know that he was supporting her. He was just doing it in more of a friendship way. So I think the love story was longer in Rapunzel and more true um, in the beginning than it would be with Mulan and Li Shang. So I agree, Rapunzel and Eugene.
0: All right, move on to the next matchup. Number five, On and Christopher' is number 12, Aurora and Philip. You know what? Let's just, let's just wrap, wrap it up right here. I mean, we don't have to do this. We've done this many times in the history of this podcast. Uh, Filthy Phil is a creep. Um, and Aurora is uh, sweet. I like Aurora like as a person. She doesn't really have a whole lot of depth to her, but she seems like she's kind, you know, she's a kind person. She's not rude, but um, Prince Philip uh, sees a baby and he's like, I'm going to marry that baby one day. Um, And then he was like, I'm, I saw a babe in the woods and, and what I'm going to do right now is go ahead and sneak up on her and grab her. And uh, that's how I'm going to make my presence known. Filthy, filthy Phil. Yeah, uh, he does have like um, a very tremendous act of service in. Uh, actually, you know what? He doesn't even do that.
2: No, the fairies do.
0: The fairies do that. The fairies kill Maleficent. Uh, no credit goes to Phil whatsoever for that. Um, and he steals a smooch when she's sleeping. Anna and Kristoff are 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 uh, they're a bit of a parallel to Rapunzel and Flynn. I'd say it's going to be a fun matchup next round. Uh, breaking them down, but this one's easy.
2: Yeah, I think that the stronger love story is Anna and Kristoff. We. We quite literally see both of these from the beginning. I don't know, and I haven't. I didn't revisit it for this bracket, but I think that Philip was told he's going to marry this baby. I'm not necessarily that he walked up to the crib and was like, "This baby, this, this baby, I'm gonna marry." Pretty sure he was told this is yeah. the baby that you're going to marry. <laughs> um, and then the the forest thing, as I said, once upon a time in a different bracket the forest animals really forced that confrontation upon our two heroes. So I don't know that it was necessarily that Phil walked through the forest and and grabbed Aurora, but also no matter what, they're not as strong of a couple or a love story as Anna and Kristoff. And there's just so much more to their story, even in the first movie. If you just compare the first movie of Frozen to Sleeping Beauty and cut off Frozen 2, you would still have the stronger love story. So it's not even a volume play here. It's just straight up better story. We can dive in further into it next time. You being the Frozen guy, you can let us know. But Nicola, what do you think about Aurora and Filthy Phil going down in the first round?
1: Uh, I agree. Kristoff uh, and Anna have the stronger love story. And how many lines does Phil have in the movie? I I think you can count on one hand. So I, a man of little words is not a man for me. So we'll <laughs> move on. I like it.
2: All right. Let's talk about this next matchup on the other side of the brackets. Number two, Bell and Beast versus number 15, Bambi and Feline. And let's go ahead and wrap this up. Any relationship that starts with the kidnapping is a no for me. The one that's moving on is the number 15, Bambi and Feline. I don't even care about arguments for Bell and the Beast. It's was not a relationship that was consensual. It was one that was revolving around a kidnapping, and I do not want to accept that.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is another topic we've kind of talked about a lot in the history of our show, this kind of like Stockholm Syndrome uh, thing that was at play. Uh, The longer Belle was captured inside the castle, the more she kind of maybe deteriorated mentally and eventually gave in to whatever manipulation was being forced upon her. Sure. Not wrong. I do want to play devil's advocate because I think it's fair. That's fine. Uh, th- I mean, it's number two seed. Like this is a love story that people do care about. You Thousand know, percent.
2: it's been um, told over and over again. Right, it so is like a why? tale as old as time? So,
0: right. So why? Like why? Um, and I think if I'm going to look for the relatable aspect to it, it is that idea that we talked about how two people might start as friends before they fall in love. Um, but there's also situations where I guess love is something that grows. Okay. You know, love at first sight is not always a thing. I think it can happen for some people, but also like, I think some people can learn to love one another. Um, Hopefully in a setting that is healthy and like there are outs for both people as they're kind of developing their non-romantic relationship. But um, this idea that, Bell doesn't necessarily like the person at first um, and the person might be sort of incapable of loving, but at the same time, like this person is not being a hundred percent true I'm talking about the beast, you know, like he's, he seems to be trying a bit too hard, you know, like, let me um, try and do the dinner thing. And like, let me try and be proper. Like the person I think she thinks um, that
2: the dishes think. She would be because they tell the beasts to do all that stuff.
0: Right. So it's it's only when he starts breaking down a little bit and being like, I'm actually a dude who loves books. <laughs> and I know you like books too. Huh? Um, instead of me trying to think about all I can get out of you in this relationship, I'm gonna try and take you into account as well. I know you like them books. <laughs> I got a big library girl.
2: Check out my books,
0: check out my books. And, um, like, that's a really positive, I think, depiction in this relationship. Sure. That idea that, like, this isn't a game. Let's, let's treat people's emotions and interests uh, with respect. Um, but then there's the snowball fight, you know, and <laughs> Beast throws a giant <laughs> snowball Bill. And um, this, this song, something there. Um, I think is kind of like the hook of the of the relationship, and it and then you know be, the song "Beauty and the Beast" is the um, kind of like the icing on the cake. It's like the climax of the love story, right? Maybe not the climax, but it's kind of the the sinker. Mm-hmm. I like something there as a song, but again, like it's just kind of weird. You know, to think about like I'm I'm resisting these feelings and I want to say no, but also my body's telling me yes. (laughs) Um, like eh, don't love it. Also, like the idea that I've done this before as well, the tale as old as time, uh, being that two people don't really like each other at first, but then learn how to like each other. Like, is that a tale as old as time? Yeah. I don't know. I've never had that tale happen to me before. <laughs> Everyone I've always loved has loved me back. <laughs> uh, Bambi on Falleen. This is another movie that is like got a love story throughout mm-hmm. that you don't really maybe think about when you think about the movie. Um, I'm obsessed with Young, Young Prince. Prince. <laughs> I think "Fallen's a babe okay yeah. I'm advancing Bambi on following as well. Right, yeah, Alright, thank you. I got the upset. Nicola, do you agree?
1: No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I uh I would have moved on Beauty and the Beast. The story is just old as time. Yeah. Um I don't know. It just we already talked about the friendship capacity. Now I like think of the kidnapping a little differently. Um I think bell has been stuck in like a time that she didn't belong into like even from the start of the village i feel like she like didn't belong there so her being i feel like bell made the decision to switch her place with her dad so she knew that she didn't want to go back there and rather have her dad live the life in the village and she was okay starting something new so i don't visualize it as like a kidnapping. I feel like Belle was empowered as a female to make a decision to switch with her her dad. And then her dad could live the life that he wanted in the village and she could have explored something new when then ultimately it turns into her being a friend with the beast and then the beast transform into actual prince and then duh, (laughs) happily ever after. But it's not advancing, but that's just my opinion.
0: No, that's fair. That's a good analysis,
2: actually. That is very good. I like that. Uh,
0: we need that on this podcast. <laughs> you know, we go through these takes time after time after time, and it's always fun to hear a fresh perspective. Yeah. Let's move on to the next matchup. It's number seven, Nala and Simba versus number 10, Aladdin and Jasmine. Speaking of stale takes, Aladdin and Jasmine, um, we don't like Aladdin here. On the Mouse Madness podcast.
2: Not huge Aladdin. We case. don't love
0: Aladdin. Um, he's sort of a fraud.
2: A lot of a fraud.
0: He starts out being like, I like that girl. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to listen to um, Dude I Met in Prison. <laughs> <laughs> Kooky Dude I Met in Prison was like, dude, you should go find this lamp. Then you can get the girl. And He was like, down. It's super down. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get what I want. Forget about what she thinks. Right. She's not a. She is not um, a person with agency in this situation. I can present myself in a way to manipulate her brain into wanting me back. That's a hundred percent it. Yeah. Right. Like there's no other way to look at this. She's kind of in like a very vulnerable state. Um. She's in this palace. She. Uh,
2: that she doesn't want to be in. She
0: doesn't want to be in. You know. Um. And she. Has these suitors coming after her and she doesn't like any of them and her pet tiger Raja doesn't like them either. And <laughs> and I like that. You know, I like that she's kind of trying to take a stand for herself. Yeah. Um and it's like if only he had like not gone through all these efforts to to make himself a fake person, because they do meet like out as themselves before he decides to be Prince Ali. Right. Um and if if they had just like Gone from there. I think we might have had a good story, but the fact that he has to like trick her Mm -hmm. and take her on this magic carpet ride Mm -hmm. as a fake person, Mm -hmm. I just don't like it. Yeah. This couple is not white, (laughs) which is, uh, you know, rare for a Disney movie, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, And while Aladdin itself is definitely not a great representation of like a love story set in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that these are two people uh, with brown skin is important. Yeah. It um, was important to people in the 90s that, and a Disney movie had maybe never ever seen a couple um, depicted like that on screen before. It'd be like, that person looks like me. Totally. I can, I can have a love story just like this as well. Right. Um, again, while it's not perfect, I think it's important to point out. Um, but then you have characters like and Simba who don't really have a race. They are animals. Um, so theoretically you could project, anyone could project themselves onto them, right?
2: Yeah, totally.
0: Um, yeah. To wrap things up with Aladdin and Jasmine, it's like a, it's like a Romeo and Juliet thing where like they can't really be together, but they end up together anyway. It's just the way they end up together is that um, there are no consequences to any of Aladdin's actions. And then the Sultan decides to change the rules. There's no like uh, Jasmine being like, you know what? I'm out.
2: No. Because the other choice was to get swooped up by Jafar as Big Bad Genie. And Aladdin saves her from Big Bad Genie. And act of heroism won in the end. Um
0: Nala and Simba this is a this is a strange relationship. They were like uh, um a lot like Aurora and Phil and that they were like destined to be together,
2: right? I've seen them more as just like besties. It's kind of like what you were trying to say about another cup maybe it was nah, maybe you didn't say that. I don't know. They, they profile similarly to Robin Hood and mm. Maid Marian where they kind of established a relationship. It wasn't necessarily love for Nala and Simba, but they were like besties. And you had mentioned not too long ago that, you know, the, the folks that you have fallen in love with, it's, it's always love that brings us together or whatever you, you said. It's not often that like the initial meeting or the, the reason why you're together is anything but love. But I think that like relationships can build to love when they're rooted in this kind of friendship like this, like Nala and Simba, where maybe as kids, they didn't see it. You know, they, they were just really good friends, but their compatibility went out in the end. Now they go off their separate ways because Simba thinks he just killed his dad and runs away because Scar told him and then they reunite and there's that spark again. Uh, But I think that's also a very common thing. like. Some people grow up and and have their kind of like best friend and then they go off and experience life a little bit and they come back and maybe that best friend was really like their person just in best friend form. So I don't know. I think that it's a very accurate depiction of, you know, maybe they weren't necessarily like chosen to be together. Although the underlying context could be that could be how a lion pride works is just that everyone couples off. In reality, it's not. It's like the alpha male just like has kids with every other female of the pride. And that's I would how like they... to see
0: that in the next Lion King <laughs> movie.
2: Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that I I just I think that's a really great story. That's a little bit different than some of these other ones where they met by chance. and they yeah. Fell in
0: love. yeah, that's true. Okay, so I, I misremembered that. Um, obviously, uh, can you feel the love tonight? Is like the the crown jewel of Nala and Simba's relationship. Uh, Simba goes off, like you said, to to Hakuna Matata it up, um, and he comes back and he finds Nala, and he's like,
2: "Hold up, wait a minute, I um, have, someone grew up, uh,
0: so I have having some feelings inside of me that I've never had
2: before. Is that Beyonce? Is
0: that Beyonce? Is that childish Gambino?" <laughs> Um yeah, I, I like this idea that Simba is better with Nala than he is without her. Yeah. Um and while everyone should be totally self sufficient on their own, I think that's the point of a companionship mm-hmm. is that two heads are better than one.
2: Make each other better.
0: And, and yeah, I get that a lot with um Simba and Nala. And uh he's hot. He's He's hot. He is hot, but also like he's hot, you know, like he's, he's emotional. He's upset. Like right. he's on edge. Um, he's very worried about um, his fate and his relationship with scar and, and the responsibilities that are on his shoulder and, and knowledge just brings him down. She's like, boy, it's all right. We're going to go under the waterfall. I'm going to go roll around in the meadow a little <laughs> bit and everything's going to be okay.
2: And you're going to lick my face Gonna
0: lick my face. Um, and, and that's, that's love right there. You know, (laughs) like the, the power of presence is such an important part of companionship. And I, and we see that a lot with, with these two in particular. And she's even there, like during the final conflict, like the final Mm -hmm. battle scene with Scar. She's like right behind him. And some of these other stories like uh, Robin Hood and Maid Marian is a good example where, there's a big final showdown with PJ and Robin Hood and then like Maid Marian like walks up to them and is like what just happened and like Nala's there. Yeah. Um and she's right behind Simba the whole time and and I I like that. I like that when you know someone whose partner goes to bat with them. Mm-hmm. Um in in moments of crisis. I got Nala and Simba here.
2: And Nala's stronger than Simba. She's survived this entire time. It's established as kids that she's the stronger one. There's that whole sequence of who can pin who and Nala pins Mm -hmm. Simba. And that's how they reconnect is she pins adult Simba as well. And he's like, wait a minute. There's only one person who could do this. It's a nice flip of the script. It's she needs him. He needs her probably even more. He was just going to be this kind of. Bum with Timon and Pumbaa, which is also fine. But he realized that his calling was not only with her, but back home. And then they quite literally fight together. You see it more in the quote unquote live action movie where they fight together. Beyonce says something, some corny line about (laughs) ladies round round up, ladies, let's go. She says some line that is like, oh, no, why did they make Beyonce say that? But in the animated film, like everyone's fighting off the hyenas, including Nala and Surabi, who's Mufasa's wife. So, uh, yeah, I completely agree. This is a, these two have such, just such a better story than the manipulation that Aladdin and Jasmine put on at the forefront. Uh, Nicola, did we make the right choice with the lions past Aladdin and Jasmine? Your smile tells me no.
1: You make valid points on both, and I think you opened up and might have swayed me into the Simba and Nala. I would say I will appreciate Aladdin. I know you guys don't like him and call him a fraud, but you have to understand that he is a street rat and comes from the poor. So he's faking it until he makes it. So he's trying to be better and try to be like this better person for himself, and then ultimately when he meets Jasmine kind of adapt into that world could you imagine going from like a poor street rat to like being a prince like the culture shock that could be like that's just me going to like England I was culture shocked (laughs) when I went to England I was like what do you mean this is so weird so like for him I will give him kudos like he's I don't think he's a fraud I think he's faking it until he's making it But I will agree, and you guys changed my mind on Simba, because I think no man should walk away from his problems. You hit them head first regardless. But I do agree, I love a female who could support her man and lift him up and see the right that's wrong. So you guys swayed me, and I agree now, Simba and Nala.
2: Here's what I also say in Aladdin's camp is like, When you're trying to court someone, you are going to show up and show out, right? You're going to buy new clothes. (laughs) You're going to dress up. You're going to go to a, a nicer restaurant than usual. Perhaps might buy flowers. Aladdin's using his riches at his disposal, which is magic. And so I can see that translation of him trying to be who he thinks is, you know, what someone would want and then in reality you just revert back to your bummy self and that's who is really the one they fall in love with in the end so I can kind of see that parallel but I mean he's still trash so I'm glad that he's not moving on all right let's move on to the the battle of the pups here doggy style I think we all know where we're going with this one it's the number three lady on the tramp from Lady and Champ, verse number 14, Pongo and Perdita from the best Disney animated film that has ever been created. 101 Dalmatians. Pongo and Perdita, their owners are Roger and Anita, and they find each other through Pongo and Perdita. Pongo is a bored dog living with Roger, who is a semi-failing jingle man who's trying to write music up in his attic. And Pongo is looking longingly out the window, thinking that there's something more. There's, he wants more out of life. He wants more for Roger specifically. Right. The entire opening scene is him talking about how his, his pet, Roger, should go out and find someone. Let me see who I can find for him. And it's the it's montage or the scene of the people walking their yep. dogs and they look just like them. Yep. Eventually, he sees Anita and Perdita, who he's like, wait a minute, two for one out here. (laughs) We can get my pet Roger a mate. And also that other Dalmatian's looking pretty nice. Let's go on a walk. And he turns the clock for Roger to stop working, which I wish we all had pets in this pandemic day and age to turn our clocks and be like, it's time to stop working. We can get ourselves out of the house. Roger was doing pandemic first. He was just locked up, working until he couldn't work no more. And they go on a walk and Pongo, you know, is Pongo and aggressively runs towards Perdita. He forces a tangle up between Anita and Roger. They fall into the the lake. They end up going out together. In the animated film, Perdita is a little bit more standoffish on Pongo's like, advances at that time. But then once Anita and Roger go into the water and they come back out and they're laughing, Perdita's like, oh, this wasn't malicious. This was getting them together. And actually, Anita wanted them together. Yeah. So it's kind of a twofold with that kind of love story. It was not only benefiting Pongo, but also going to benefit Roger and Anita and Perdita. But they, uh, they also get married because we see a quick cut scene there where they're at the chapel and Roger and Anita are getting married. And then in the window, they're doing the same thing. Little pups. Little pups getting married as well. And then the rest of the movie, this is the first... 12 minutes yeah. of the film. Mm-hmm. The rest of the movie is family life. It's a couple who want to start a family a little bigger than they anticipated. Pongo, you dog, says Roger, <laughs> which is Ooh, real aggressive. Bongo, all right. <laughs> and, and their kids go missing. And it's a story about how these parents really come together to find their family. And they're exhausting all their resources to bring their kids back home. And it's what you would hope out of parents, right? You would hope that they would do all that they could, call every resource. Majority of the film is from the puppies' perspective. Like we spend a lot more time with the puppies than we do with Pongo and Perdita because that's really the main story is the recovery of these puppies. But, you know, you got... You got the the loving couple that just wants their kids home. And you just hope that out of any any parental sure. duo. Lane in the Tramp. Uh, another movie that I had to revisit for this bracket. And I forgot just how long you have to sit in this movie until their story begins. It's it, about halfway yeah, through. It
0: really is Lady dot, dot, dot and, and the And this guy that she meets.
2: <laughs> so the, their love story accelerates. They meet... They go on this adventure because Lady gets muzzled up and she needs to, she wants to escape Aunt Polly, I believe is her name, who's the one that's babysitting the baby. After getting punked by the two cats, uh, she gets muzzled up. She runs away and gets chased down by some dogs, which Tramp helps defend off in the alleyway. They go and visit the beaver at the zoo to get the muzzle off, and then off goes their love story. They go have dinner at Tony's. They have a nice candlelight. This is the night. What a beautiful night. And we call it Beautiful Night <laughs> montage. Uh, they spend the night together. First night, they spend the night together <laughs> well, on this. What the is this hill. abominable snowman so, out here? Oh my what? gosh. They are just full sending it together. And they, you know, they fall in love basically in that moment. Uh, you get a sense that Tramp wants lady to stay out and live his lifestyle, living on the streets. You don't need to go back to the owner out here. You don't have an owner and you don't need an owner. Uh, Everything is fine. And then he goes and wants to take her on one last adventure before returning her home, go scare some chickens in a coop. And when they leave and there's a dog catcher and the dog catcher locks up lady who finds out that Tramp is uh, a bit of a play on the streets, has a lot of different gals. He's a tramp, but but we love him, as Peggy the dog sings. She ends up forgiving him because uh, there's a baby-eating rat in the house. And when Tramp comes back to kind of like forgive or to apologize for getting her locked up, she's like, who's this girl, this girl, this girl? And he's like, oh, no, why, what are you talking about? No, it's only you. And then there's a a rat that's about to eat a baby upstairs. And he goes and and fights her off or fights off the the rat. There's a huge chase with the the dog catcher again. They're able to get Tramp out of the dog catcher uh, wagon by crashing it. Old dog looks like he gets killed. Dude, I forgot about the ending of this film. The Scotty dog and the old hound dog go chasing after the wagon. And the wagon crashes tramp gets out of the back and then you go around the front and the old dog has been like ran over yeah and he just like slumps and the scene goes to black with the scotty dog shedding a tear i was like does this movie end by killing the old dog and then we're just gonna go to christmas and we go to Christmas and in walks the old dog. It had me. It had me. I've seen this movie so many times and I forgot that's how it ended. <laughs> so that's the, the love story, Lane and Tramp. They end up having puppies together after, you know, two families from literally different sides of the tracks come together and they find a common bond, which is trauma. Uh, my favorite love story is Pongo and are yeah, <laughs> Going with the number 14 seat.
0: Yeah. I mean, this this back to me is, is our original conversation we had with Mickey and Minnie. The like idea that is this is a depiction of one specific aspect of love. Um in the case of Pongu and Perdita, yep. the the willingness to do whatever it takes yep. to preserve uh an important aspect of your relationship. In this case it is family, children, families. Um, but it could be the relationship itself, it could, you know, whatever. It could be anything that you share with your partner. I really appreciate that aspect of them, but, um, beginning, middle and end, um, it's lady and the tramp for me that, that, oh, like you said, coming from two different worlds, One having family. to, having to compromise over thing, like having to realize that maybe the way you do things is not the best way you do things and that you're open to hearing, um, how other people live. The idea that you are willing to share your favorite food with somebody?
2: Oh, stop that!
0: Spaghetti. All right, I don't like spaghetti's not my favorite food, but <laughs> I knew very early on dating my girlfriend Julia um, that the idea of sharing food was going to be something I was going to have to get over.
2: <laughs> As in, you would have to start giving in to sharing food.
0: Right, like, like, yeah. You there's... don't
2: like to share, so this new aspect. I
0: ordered is... something for a reason.
2: Hey, listen up. <laughs> Same.
0: We well, went to Taco Bell two, literally two nights ago. Do you want anything from Taco Bell? No. Good. Can I have a bite of your taco? Sure. <laughs> Actually, can I have this taco?
2: I guess so. Yes. Yes, <laughs>
0: you can have this taco. So, like, I I tend to order like over order food for myself because I know that. I'm not going to be eating it. It's the move. And like, this is just, this is just a great depiction of of food and love um, right here in this scene. Um, Let lady, lady have the last meatball? <laughs> I've done, I've literally done that exact thing. Be like, this meatball is really good, but you can have this meatball.
2: Wow. This
0: is how much I care about
2: it. I love these made.
0: meatballs and I don't, I'm very picky eater in that I'm critical of food. Mm-hmm. This is my favorite meatballs ever. But guess what? You can have it. Wow. Tramp. I see you, Tramp. <laughs> and Tramp sees me. Um, I'm going with Lady and the Tramp. Nicolette, right. you're breaking this tie.
1: I, this is an easy one. I'm going to go with Lady and the Tramp. Yeah, That's really all. You can't have a 12-minute love scene. I want more from Bongo.
2: <laughs> you get more. You get the entire thing. They're all about family.
1: I think it's Bongo just a, if we're going if we're going love story, you need like longer than twelve minutes in the first half of the movie. And Lady and the Tramp has so many small little bits, and since they're moving on,
2: <laughs> explain uh, Ellie and Carl to me real fast. <laughs> Talk about a twelve-minute love story. Oh,
1: that one, but they're I would say because they're older, we already have this pre-notion that they've lived this life together and they in the first couple minutes you see the the photos of them on their adventures you know you see this wonderful house they built like you already have this like predisposition notion that they've lived a full life together and then when that happens you i'm not gonna cry right now you <laughs> just know that their love is true and then he goes and finishes the adventure, which is an entire movie. So like the love is continuing because he's doing it with her in mm. spirit. Oh, mm. I'm going to go watch it now.
0: <laughs> that was good. That was a great um, little Perry attack. You know, he came at you. And gonna... Um, Last matchup of the round of 16, number six, Cinderella and Prince Charming versus number 11, Hercules and Meg. Um, Prince Charming, like... I and I'm saying this as a vanilla man. Um <laughs> Prince Charming, they couldn't even give this man facial features. No, they, c- <laughs> they couldn't be bothered to draw him cheeks or a chin. He's just a nose and eyeballs. He's face tuned.
1: Um, and, and
2: he, he is face tuned.
0: <laughs> uh don't like that. Cinderella and Charming is is like the modern-day equivalent of Zendaya and Tom Holland, Um, the, the relationship that you just strive to have, even though it might not be uh, realistic for what's in front of you. Uh, (laughs) Cinderella be like, I love Prince Charming because I feel like I should. Mm. Right. Like, I feel like he's the one that everyone likes. So I also should like him. Right. Right. And I am going to make it my sole purpose in life to get him. When at the end of the day, getting to Prince is, is not what it's about for Cinderella. It's about overcoming the struggles that she faces in, in her day-to-day life with her stepmother and her stepsisters. Like It would make for such a sweeter story if he was just the icing on the cake instead of the primary objective here. Sure. Uh, Hercules and Meg uh, Hercules it's not like Hercules is not vanilla either Hercules the movie however has some really interesting things to say I think about love yep. um, and while I think all Disney movies do um, the idea that love can uh, come at you when you don't expect it um, is very prominent in the case of Meg. Uh, Hercules is, uh, I don't get Hercules' contribution to this relationship at all, <laughs> like honestly. Um, however, it's better than Cinderella and, and Charming, like for sure. Like mean, So I got Hercules and Meg, n- no questions.
2: Yeah, it's Herc and Meg. There's a two-way street with this couple as opposed to Cinderella and Prince Charming where one and the other feel more like a prize. There's no actual connection. They had an, a great night together, but then they were just going to, immediately be reconnected and marry. there's no story there uh we haven't watched cinderella to the royal wedding or whatever it's called so we can't actually speak on it but uh in what we know of cinderella and prince charming there's not much of a love story than a masquerade ball uh with a, a person in disguise it's a, the aladdin effect here I'm going to go with Herc and Meg as well. I think that the there there is a true story there. And I think that there is something in Herc uh, that Meg sees that is beyond the hero in Hercules. There's, there's something that she likes there. And we can dive into it next episode because they are moving on. Nicola, we have our Elite Eight to get started in next episode. What are your thoughts with how we ended up?
1: I'm shocked you swayed me away from Aladdin in my magic carpet ride to (laughs) agree to Simba. But I think we have a good matchup, and I'm going to see if I can defend my hunk of uh, Prince Eric.
2: Oh, yeah, that's going to be a tall task for the next time around. And in the next time, we are going to be discussing the Elite Eight, which looks a little bit like this. It's the number 16 Robin Hood and Maid Marian versus the number eight Ariel and Prince Eric. The number four, Rapunzel and Flynn Rider versus the number five, Anna and Kristoff. Across the brackets, the number 15, Bambi and Feline versus the number seven, Nala and Simba. And to round out the Elite Eights, the number three, Lady and Tramp versus number 11, Hercules and Meg. Nicola, thank you so much for joining us on your first adventure into Mouse Madness. We hope it was all you hoped for and more, and we can't wait to see you next time.
1: Thanks for having me. This was so much
0: fun. All right, everyone. You know how to reach us. Do you have something to say about these love stories? Do you have um, a problem with any of our love takes and love experiences we've presented on this podcast episode? Please send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Discord. All of those channels are linked in the description of this podcast. If you'd like to support us on Patreon at the $5 level, head over to patreon.com slash mouse madness, where you'll have access to two bonus mouse madness episodes a month, as well as mouse madness. Jerry's Gang Disney trivia. It's coming up in a couple weeks. And we would love to have you over there on Patreon. Folks, um, we will be seeing you in the next episode. And until then, we'll be walking with you once upon a dream not like that like not in a creepy way but like enough like in a friendship